You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday afternoon, week one in the books for the opening week of the NFL season. You could check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com, as we will have weekly rankings, waiver wire, stock watch, tons of articles to help you prepare. We helped you with your draft. Now it's making those adjustments, figuring out how to fix that roster. And it's crazy because it actually is a week one waiver wire, or week two technically, where there's a lot going on. It's a lot of wide receivers, so... We don't want to overreact too much to week one. At the same time, getting these players early in the season can be a difference maker potentially down the road. So there is work to be done this week, and we can help you out. If you have any specific questions, you could ask them on the message boards and forums, and we will get back to you with the best advice possible. We have the uh, weekly injury report up, uh, the week week two waiver wire report, uh, weekly snap counts, uh, red zone targets, all up on the site right now. So, again, check it out uh, and ask those questions. And we have you covered for DFS as well. Optimizer, Slack chat leading up to lineup block. So a lot of tools. You can also find our work on si.com slash fantasy. My week one waiver, week two waiver wire article is up there posted this morning uh, with uh, 15 players uh, to go through and uh, break those down. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit during the show as well. So lots to look at. As we get you set for week two coming up this week. Uh, but first, want to look at the action from last night and kind of recap those games and what stood out. Obviously, to me, the game of the week with the Saints and the Texans as the Saints beat the Texans 30-28. to uh, Nice back-and-forth game late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Drew Brees had 370 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, Brees is someone that... I didn't want in fantasy this year because he was very inconsistent, and especially on the road. And this was a game where they were playing from behind. So he had 43 pass attempts. And I don't think we're going to see that a ton. You know, we've seen the last two years, those pass attempts go way down. He was under 500 last year. So over the course of a season, the total numbers are going to be good. But on a week-to-week basis, he's going to be inconsistent. We know he plays better at home. This was a home game. But when the Saints have their way... They're going to run the football a lot. And Breeze only attempted one pass more than 20 yards yesterday. So a lot of his production is from Kamara uh, after the catch. And there will be good weeks. And this one was a pretty good week considering some of the quarterback play. But I don't see think you're going to see the heavy volume uh, that we are accustomed to seeing from Breeze in years past. Alvin Kamara, you know, he didn't have a touchdown in this game, but still very good numbers, 13 carries, 97 yards on the ground, and seven receptions for 72 yards on eight receptions. So uh, still a very good game for sure in PPR formats, and the touchdowns will come. Now Latavius Murray had eight touches in this game, six carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, to me this is like the floor for Murray, because as I've said before, I think this team is going to run the football a lot. We saw yesterday 43 pass attempts, 21 rushing attempts, and 
that's really not the way they want to play. But again, they were playing from behind. They were down 14-3 at the half. They were down 21-17 in the third quarter. So they had to pass more than they're accustomed to. When they're playing in a neutral script or from ahead, I think you're going to see them run the football a lot more. And that's why, you know, a lot of weeks I think you'll see Latavius Murray with double-digit carries. So still was a good game for him if you did have to use him. He also caught two passes for four yards. So I do think he essentially plays the Mark Ingram role in this offense. Michael Thomas does what he usually does. 10 receptions, 123 yards on 13 targets. And, you know, he just has a high floor each and every single week. You know, he's not a guy that's going to break a long play. But in this offense, he's going to get a lot of volume. He's the clear number one target. And that's the thing you like about the Saints for fantasy purposes. It's essentially Thomas and Kamara. Now, we did see Ted Ginn have a good game. Seven targets. He called all of them for 101 yards. Ginn's a better play at home on that turf. Still, he's not, not someone that you can depend on every week. He's more of a matchup play. But if you are looking at Ted Ginn in a deep format, especially when bye weeks come, you want to play him at home. He's just better at home. Jared Cook had a disappointing game, only three targets, two catches for 37 yards. And again, he's going to be a borderline tight end one pretty much every single week. He'll get more involved in the offense. And if you like revenge games, then he has one on tap next week against his former team, the Rams. Traquan Smith, only two targets in this game, caught both for 26 and a touchdown to me. Again, better best ball play, love the talent. Uh, but, you know, if this is probably going to be maybe one of the highest past attempt games of the season for Drew Brees with 43, and for Smith to only have two targets kind of speaks volumes of where he's at right now. So not someone that you can depend on. Uh, I Took him mostly in best ball formats. I might have taken him in the 13th, 14th round of a draft. But, you know, if you want to drop him for one of the hot waiver wire pickups this week that maybe has a bigger path to more targets, I'm all for it. Taysom Hill got a touchdown. That annoyed the hell out of people. (laughs) He had two targets. One was a nine-yard touchdown reception. And definitely pissed a lot of people off because we do see a lot of Taysom Hill. Also had two carries for eight yards. The Texans' side, Deshaun Watson, was tremendous. Uh, the problem is he was sacked six times, but 20 of 30, and they probably should have passed a little bit more. Uh, 268 passing yards for Watson, averaged 8.9 yards per attempt, three touchdowns and a pick, but again, sacked six times. And part of it is on him a little bit. He does have to get rid of the ball quicker, but uh, he was amazing in this game, almost led them to... A great comeback. He just needed two passes late there in the fourth quarter, throwing that tying uh, that go-ahead touchdown to Kenny Stills. But uh, Watson, if you took him early, you're feeling really good about him. He also had four carries for 40 yards and a rushing touchdown. Did get banked up on that. They were working on his back a little bit, so it is something to pay attention to with the injury report, but he was able to finish the game. But expect big numbers from him. One of the questions for the Texans this year is what is going to happen in that backfield between Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. We got a glimpse of it last night. What does it mean going forward? I'll let you know next. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday afternoon. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. As a back to the grind now, fun weekend in Vegas. And if you are out in Vegas, check out Hakkasan Nightclub. MGM was out there this weekend. A really good time. So check that out if you are out there. As uh, we are kind of recapping week one, getting you set up for week two, week uh, two waiver wire obviously is very big. Uh, there's a ton of guys that you can pick up. I have an article up now on Sports Illustrated, si.com slash fantasy. You can look at the waiver wire pickups that I have there for the week. And if you have any specific questions, you could ask them on the message boards and the forums. And I've always said this, the most difficult thing is trying to tell people how much fab money to use because... A lot of times it's dependent on your league and maybe you're in a new league and you don't know how aggressive people are. But one of the things that I do is look at other people's rosters. So for example, you know, people are asking me a lot about TJ Hawkinson and how much to spend. Now tight end is a position where I feel like there are people that are in need of one. And what I like to do is go to the roster grid and kind of sort through it and go, okay, who really needs a tight end? And if you find one or two teams that really need a tight end, then you know you might have to bump up the bid a little bit. So, you know, same thing for running backs. There's really not a ton of running backs out there. Now, again, it depends on the depth of your league. Everyone, it's a, that, that's the one thing, too, when talking in general about the waiver wire is, you know, I'm so used to playing in leagues with 20 rounds, and I understand there are people out there that play 15 or 16 rounds. So maybe John Brown is out there. Maybe Jamison Crowder is out there. Not in my leagues, but, you know, we're here to help you guys. So, you know, I didn't put Jamison Crowder or John Brown in the waiver wire. They're obviously guys that you have to get if they are. Uh, for the article, I try to do 40% ownership or, or fewer. So those guys, I checked uh, John Brown, Crowder. They were all over that number, so I didn't put them in. But uh, they could be out there. DK Metcalf, guys like that, they're obvious ads. So, again, if you have any specific questions for your team and maybe John Brown is available and you didn't see my waiver wire article. That's the reason why. So you could just go on the message boards and forums, ask those questions and we'll uh, take care of you accordingly and answer uh, whatever you need. You know, that's one of the benefits of being a member is you get that, you know, in personal advice uh, to help you out. We could break it down specifically as well. Uh, So yesterday, the Texans backfield was one of the questions going into the season. We got excited for Duke Johnson, but we all knew they would bring in a veteran. They did. It was Carlos Hyde. Got to say, Carlos Hyde looked a lot better than I thought. 10 carries, 83 yards. It's 8.3 a pop. One catch for two yards. Duke Johnson, 9 for 57. He had a very impressive 32-yard run. He also had four receptions for 33 yards on five targets. And, you know, this is, I think, what it's going to be mostly. Now, here's the problem with Carlos Hyde. So, yeah, that was a good game, right? Very efficient. But one reception and no touchdown. So he is touchdown dependent. So not someone that I feel comfortable starting every week. I feel better about Duke Johnson only because I feel like he's going to be more involved in the passing game and they'll bring him in in passing situations. Uh, and I expect 
his role to grow as they as he gets accustomed to the team. Remember, he was just traded in August. So, yeah, it wasn't a great game, but in PPR, you know, Duke Johnson had 12 points. So uh, I do have him in some leagues as an RB2, especially in leagues where I went wide receiver heavy, and I think it's going to be fine. And, again, Hyde is really dependent on touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins just doing what he does and – you know, I didn't. I finally got him in a league on Saturday in the beat Adam Ronas in Vegas. I had picked six, and uh, I was a little surprised that Hopkins did indeed fall there. As uh, wait, was it pick five or six? Now I forget. I think it was pick. I think it was five. Yeah, because uh, was no, it was six. So five running backs went to start. David Johnson went five. So DeAndre Hopkins, first time I got him, and obviously. Great to own in fantasy. Eight receptions, 111 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. Will Fuller looked good. He made a very impressive catch uh, for 54 yards going up in the air to get it. Uh, only three targets in this game, though, two for 69. But remember, he's coming off the torn ACL. Uh, he'll be fine. We know Watson looks for him continuously, so he'll get better. Kiki QT was inactive in this game, and you know the injuries really hurt him. I'm interested to see. What happens with him when he is active? Uh, Kenny Stills, quiet game for him, but of course had the big touchdown late, three for 37 and a touchdown. Uh, not someone I think you can rely on every week, especially when QT is back. So uh, the game of the week, uh, very good fantasy performances pretty much across the board, as we expected. And that's the thing with the Texans and the Saints. We pretty much know who's getting the fantasy production, and you love teams like that as opposed to somewhere they just spread it out a ton, and it's a question from week to week. The nightcap last night, Raiders beat the Broncos 24-16. to Derek Carr looked very good. Now, I still don't like him for fantasy. This is not a very good team. There was clearly emotions, and I think a lot of people expected the Raiders to fold or be distracted with the whole issue with Antonio Brown going on, but it was the opposite. They were fired up. Uh, obviously eager to prove, hey, we're a good team. They're not. Even with the one game, it's not like Denver's any good. Divisional game at home. And Carr played well. You know, average 10 yards per pass attempt, 22 of 26, 259 yards. He was not sacked. That was the thing. He had time to throw in this one. And he found the open receiver. So, uh, again, not a great fantasy performance. Good from an NFL perspective, but not someone that I think is going to have a good year. Now, he will probably be in a position to pass a lot as that this team will play from behind consistently, but not someone that uh, is on your radar outside of uh, leagues that start two quarterbacks or a super flex league. Josh Jacobs, you know, only 3.7 yards per carry, but the thing that you like, he got the workload. And that was one of the things with Jacobs that was appealing is, hey, he's probably going to control this backfield. I know there was some concern about Jalen Rashard. Now this game script set up perfect for Jacobs. They were playing from ahead. I don't know if we're going to see that many times this year. So that is the one issue. If they're playing from behind, do we see more Jalen Rashard in passing situations? So that's still something we have to figure out. But Jacobs, 23 carries, 85 yards, two rushing touchdowns, but only one target. He did go for 28 yards on that reception, but not heavily involved in the pass game. But again, this could have been game script, game flow. They were up 14 nothing at the half, 14-6 after three quarters. So they never played from behind in this one. And uh, that's not what we typically expect to see from the Raiders this year. Tyrell Williams, man, the guy who got the boost. Once you heard that Antonio Brown news over the weekend that he was released, boy, Tyrell Williams got a big, big boost. Now, 
We'll see if he can play that role of number one receiver, and he's going to face some tough cornerbacks. But still, you were getting him in the ninth, tenth round in high stakes leagues, and in maybe your home league, you got him even later. And boy, this is going to turn out to be a real big addition. I can't imagine he's available on many waiver wires. I don't know what his. I didn't look for his ownership, uh, but if he's there, you gotta get him. And now. There are, I do get some questions on the message board sometimes about eight-team leagues. Not a lot of people playing eight teams, and those are tough because there's just so many out there. But even in 10-team leagues, if Williams is available, he should be owned seven targets, six receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Look, he was always good with the Chargers. It's just that he never really had the volume, and he's going to get it here. Now, the other guy that I really like, Darren Waller. And, you know, it was funny because I was looking at him in early drafts, uh, did a league I think in June, where we start two tight ends, and I wanted to get him. I thought he would be off the radar of people, and I wound up not getting him. Uh, I wanted him in the Scott Fishbowl. I didn't get him, but his stock really started to rise. So I did draft him on Saturday as my tight end one, uh, and I think he's available in a lot of leagues. Now, obviously, he started to get some publicity on hard knocks, and that opened the eyes for some people. But again... Immediately when Antonio Brown was released, Waller was the guy that I thought benefited a lot. We already knew Tyrell Williams was going to play a role. He was the number two. So, yeah, he gets a little bit of a boost. But Waller, this guy, 6'6", 258, a former wide receiver. We know he had some off-the-field issues with drugs and alcohol, but he cleaned himself up. He looked really good in training camp. When they asked a lot of the Raider players who's the surprise guy, it was Waller. We know last year they threw 101 passes to Jared Cook at tight end, so they're going to utilize the tight end in this offense. He was really impressive yesterday. He was on the field for every snap, eight targets, seven receptions for 70 yards. Obviously, the Broncos perennially struggle against tight ends, but, man, Waller, I think, is going to be really solid this year. I think he has a chance to finish as a tight end one. Now, if he's available, get him off your way for wire. We'll continue to talk about this game looking at the Broncos side as we continue with his full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Check me out on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And find all my work, fulltimefantasy.com as well as si.com slash fantasy. My waiver wire article is up there on Sports Illustrated. And if you have any specific questions, you could always ask them on the message boards and the forums at fulltimefantasy.com. Become a member today. Use the promo code RONUS50. Get your first two months for the price of one. Continuing to look at the action from last night. Uh, again, Darren Waller, very impressed there. I mean, here's the thing. I've talked about this a lot, too. With player props, a lot of times they're way off. I mean, the Raider player props last night were ridiculous. Tyra Williams over under catches was three and a half. I mean, that was pretty much an easy over. His yards was 47 and a half. 
Darren Waller, his over-under was two and a half receptions. Like, that was the easiest over in the world. So that's the thing. Uh, they don't pay as much attention to those player props. And if you play fantasy, I mean, essentially that's what we're doing each week, right? We're projecting. So you could take advantage of those player props. And it takes a while sometimes for them to catch up. I mentioned this for baseball. Lucas Giolito, for those not familiar, he was a real highly touted prospect with the Nationals, got traded to the White Sox, and he was terrible last year. But he made some adjustments, and early in the year, he was really good. They had his his over-under for strikeouts so low, like week in, week out. It took them, like, so long to adjust, and you were just hammering the over every week and winning money. So the same thing can happen in football. So you can look at those player props and take advantage and make some money. So... Uh, we'll help you out there with that as well. But uh, some of the ones last night in this game were just uh, were, were, were pretty simple to to get. I think Josh Jacobs over under rushing was like 56. So just had a lot of low numbers. And you knew with Antonio Brown gone, it was going to help out a lot of the other guys. The one guy who did disappoint, who I did see people pick up off the waiver wire, is Hunter Renfro. Only three receptions, two for 13. Ryan Grant actually played more snaps and had more targets not that he did anything, but three catches, 16 yards on four targets. But really, it's Williams, Waller, and Jacobs for the Raiders right now. For the Broncos, took a while for them to get going offensively. Uh, Joe Flacco, 268 passing yards and one touchdown, took three sacks. The Broncos' backfield, this is not a surprise. I mean, this is why I had Phillip Lindsay ranked pretty low. And I liked Lindsay. He helped me win last year. But it was pretty apparent that this was going to come and be almost an even split. Now, Lindsey is better in PPR because he's going to catch more passes, but his price tag was pretty high. He had 11 carries for 43 yards and four receptions for 23 yards. Royce Freeman looked better running the football with 10 carries for 56 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, but only had one catch for five yards. So I think this is pretty much what you're going to see going forward, and I think they want to run the football more, but this was a game that they played from behind, 31 pass attempts to 23 rushing attempts. And if the Broncos have their way, uh, they want to run the football more. And it's going to depend on the opponent. You would have figured this would have been a good game against the Raiders, but they just got off to such a, a bad start, fell behind. So the Raiders played uh, fired up in this game. But receivers-wise, was pretty encouraging for the Broncos. Cortland Sutton, eight targets in this game, seven receptions, 120 yards. So he looked really good. And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, who I did not rank very highly. I didn't draft him anywhere, and I've always been a big fan I know we got a glimpse of him in the preseason coming off that torn Achilles at age 31, and he looked really good. I was amazed, and modern medicine is a hell of a thing. Uh, and it pushed Sanders up. He started going in the seventh, eighth round of drafts and really didn't want to pay the price. But for week one, it certainly looked good for those that did. Seven targets, five receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Noah Fant, two carries, two receptions for 29 yards. And boy, Deshaun Hamilton, who in early drafts I did like because I wasn't convinced Sanders would be back. But Hamilton did not help himself in this game. Four targets, two catches, five yards, and he dropped a touchdown. So it's going to be tough to hold on to that guy. I mean, the Denver Denver is not a, an appealing offense, but you know Sutton and Sanders are fine. You're going to roster the running backs, but you just don't feel good about playing them every week. A lot of it's going to be matchup-based, matchup-dependent. So Raiders come out week one. They beat the Broncos 24-16. to some of the other things going on right now in football, looking at some of the latest headlines here. Uh, we knew this was going to happen, uh, but the Jets have uh, cut their kicker. 
uh, not a surprise, but uh, Kari Vedvik, who is absolutely terrible. I mean, you know, and he's been cut now by a couple teams, and he did hurt the Jets. He missed an extra point. He missed the field goal. It wasn't even close. We were watching the game, and we knew he was terrible at warm-ups, missing a lot, and you could tell. Uh, so immediately I thought he would get cut. He did. So Sam Ficken was signed. He will be the kicker for the Jets. Uh, not very fantasy relevant. That's the one thing. You know, in some of my drafts, I was trying to get one of those top kickers actually ahead of a defense. A lot of people do the opposite. They take the defense early. I like to stream a lot. And I understand if you wanted to take, like the Patriots, their early season schedule is just great. Maybe you didn't love it against the Steelers. It turned out to be okay as they only allowed three points. But Miami this week, uh, they have a really nice schedule upcoming. And you can do that. Dallas was another team that I took early on with the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins to open up. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's something that you can look at. But I felt better about the kickers, like the top kickers. Give me Tucker. Give me Zerlon. Give me Lutz. That's what I was trying to to get in my leagues if I could. You know, I wasn't going to reach on them. But 18th round, uh, I was I would take a kicker uh, in a 20-round draft. You know, a lot of people, oh, I'll just take them in the last round. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be a kicker that comes out of nowhere, a kicker or two that, you know, we're not on the radar. But I was trying to get uh, one of those top guys. I mean, uh, Will Lutz actually really helped me last night with that 58-yard field goal. I actually had a tie. I had a tie. Uh, I played double headers, lost one, and tied the other. But if I wouldn't have had that tie, if it wasn't for that 58-yarder, from Lutz. So, you know, getting those reliable kickers, I think, is important or it matters. So just look at that for next year because I just don't think there's a lot of reliable ones. And we're seeing it across the league where teams are really searching for answers at the kicker position where with defenses, it's a a week-to-week thing. It's a matchup play week-to-week. And uh, I'm assuming in a lot of leagues, most people are not holding two defenses. If they are, well, it's better for you. It opens up an opportunity for you to get a running back or a receiver. But you can always look week to week and find a defense to stream off the waiver wire in most instances. So that's why the kickers are a little bit more important for me than a defense in a draft, uh, especially round 18, uh, getting you know a Tucker, Zerline, Lutz, Fairbairn, Goskowski, one of those reliable kickers. Uh, Greg Olson dealing with a little bit of a back issue. He said he's going to play. Obviously, it's a short week. He's a veteran. Uh, Olsen actually had nine targets in the game last week. Four receptions for 36 yards, but he's just not appealing. Uh, don't have him. I think I have him in one league. It was the Scott Fishbowl, and it was like tight end 24-25 off the board. You could start two tight ends there. I didn't start him. But, you know, it's not. he's not the same player, and they have better weapons there in Carolina. So he's really just not that appealing right now for fantasy purposes. Juju Smith-Schuster dealing with this toe injury. It happened late in the game. I was actually surprised to see him on the field. It was like in the final two minutes of the game, and it was a blowout. Roethlisberger was still in there. Smith-Schuster was still in there. So I was a little surprised by that. But uh, Mike Tomlin is optimistic about Juju playing this week. You know, x-rays were negative, so it looks like he'll be good to go. And I know there are some people who are saying, oh, Juju can't be a number one. And I I disagree with that. Remember... With the Patriots, they always tend to take out the opponent's number one player. And obviously in this game with Stephon Gilmore on Juju, they kind of took him away. And it was a disaster across the board for the Steelers. Dante Moncrief dropped like four passes. It was just terrible. So it'll get better for Juju. And it's not like he had an awful game. He still had double-digit points in PPR formats. So really not worried about that yet. 
Uh, Dontrell Hilliard dealing with a concussion. He missed practice today. Uh, Dearness Johnson is the backup to Chubb. Chubb obviously got vultured on that touchdown by Hilliard, which which really sucked uh, for Chubb owners. But look for the Browns offense, I think, to bounce back this week because uh, they head to New York. They'll play Monday night, so they'll be in the spotlight. And it is a team that um, everybody has been talking about a lot and certainly a little bit overhyped there for the Browns. But uh, big game for them this week. They don't want to start off 0-2, especially uh, if, if they lose to the Jets. Tevin Coleman, he has a high ankle sprain. He left the game early last week. So that's anywhere from, you know, two to six weeks. It's always kind of tricky there. So Matt Breida is going to be the lead back, someone that I have a lot of stock in. Not the greatest game for him last week, but we know the 49ers are going to run the football. Breida has been pretty good whenever he gives the opportunity. Now, he's not going to get a huge workload. He's never going to be a guy that gets 20 touches. So what that is going to do is it opens up for Raheem Mostert to get some time here. And Mostert actually had a touchdown call back by via penalty. Uh, Jeff Wilson could be called up from the practice squad as, uh, as well. But if you need some help at running back, Mostert is worth adding a deeper format. It's not someone I think you're going to start. Hey, Brita has always been someone that has had a difficult time staying healthy. I mean, there are times last year he was on the injury report. We, we thought, oh, there's no way he's going to play. And he actually did. So the guy exudes a lot of toughness. But we have seen in the past that he can go down at any point. So as much as I do like him, you know, most are certainly in deeper formats, someone that you could add uh, depending on what's available on your waiver wire. Sterling Shepard is in the concussion protocol. So he had concussion symptoms after the game. So could be tough for him to play this week against the Bills. Obviously, it's going to help Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram get more targets. We saw Ingram have a huge game. And they are going against the Bills, who I think is pretty good defense. So maybe you could look at a Cody Lattimore in a deeper league. But I think there's so many options available on the waiver wire this week that you don't need to go that deep. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Darius Geis uh, has some issues, not with the surgery repair knee, but the other one. And they're saying it's a meniscus issue. So we don't know the timetable, but it looks like he'll be out a couple of weeks. And now all of a sudden, Adrian Peterson, who was a healthy scratch last week, now should get a big workload. Chris Thompson also in the mix as the passing down back, and they do play the Cowboys this week. Now, the Redskins always do play the Cowboys competitively. Keep that in mind, but I'm sure a lot of people think they'll be playing from behind, and if that's the case, that is a good game for Chris Thompson. We'll talk about some other injuries as well as other things that stood out in Week 1 and what it means going forward. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. If you missed any portion of the show, don't worry. You can check it out on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcast, 
Search full-time fantasy, hit subscribe. You'll be notified whenever the new episodes are uploaded, and they are uploaded pretty quick, so make sure you check that out. And find all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. You can ask your questions on the message boards in the forums there. Joe Mixon sprained his ankle in week one. Doesn't seem to be too serious that he might play in week two. Either way, if you are a Mixon owner and Gio Bernard is out there, go get him. Bernard was obviously drafted in deeper formats, but we've seen in the past, whenever Gio Bernard is given an opportunity, we saw two games last year where he started without Mixon. He had at least 19 points in PPR formats in each of those games. So he obviously will see a uh, a big uptick there if uh, he gets that opportunity. But it sounds like Mixon's going to play, but we'll see. We'll have the uh, practice reports later in the week, and we can uh, figure that out. Devin Funches was placed on injured reserve after breaking his collarbone, so he's out at least eight weeks. And it looks like Deion Kane is going to play a bigger role. He was someone that was uh, pretty uh, talked about in the preseason last year, and he got hurt, uh, looked good in the preseason this year. So I think Paris Campbell has a shot. Remember, he's a little bit behind the rookie with the hamstring injury, so I'd keep an eye on him too. But it looks like Deion Kane could play a bigger role. We know this Colts offense Obviously not as explosive without Andrew Luck, although Jacoby Percet was solid. Uh, and Marlon Mack obviously had a big game. We saw him really fall in drafts, and he had 175 yards rushing. So he looked really good. Uh, so, I, again, I think the Colts offense does get downgraded a little bit, but not as bad as people thought. T.Y. Hilton had a good game. Jacoby Percet's solid, and it's a much better situation than he had two years ago. Better offensive line, better coaching staff. So certainly looking better uh, for the Colts offense with uh, the way they play here in week one as well. Now the Buccaneers backfield is pretty interesting right now because in the preseason, Pate Barber, not great. Ronald Jones didn't look great. Dare Ogbenwale was the guy that really started to kind of garner some retention. And he really started to rise the draft boards. Uh, I know I took him in a league as early as round 12. And, you know, he he was the passing down back. And you looked at it and said, okay, you know, if things break right, it's not like he has a lot in front of him with Barber and Ronald Jones. Uh, maybe this could be beneficial. Also, we all thought Buccaneers, not good defensively, going to be consistently playing from behind. And that's the passing down back. Well, if you look at the snaps here, Ogman Wale, 26, Barber, 25, Ronald Jones, 22. But I got to say, Ronald Jones looked good. I mean, it's been nothing but negative for Ronald Jones so far in his brief career. Rookie season did nothing. Preseason, we didn't hear any positive chatter, but he looked good in that game. He ran the ball well. I was impressed. 13 carries, 75 yards. Meanwhile, Peyton Barber, 8 carries, 33 yards. Just I don't care how far he was fall- falling. I didn't want to draft him. There's just no upside there. There's just none. And Ogmanwale had no carries, but he did have four receptions for 33 yards and five targets. So uh, Ronald Jones also had a catch for 18 yards. So I thought he looked good. Now, Bruce Arians has said Barber will remain the starter, and they're going to go with the hot hand. Uh, But I think Jones, if he is available on the waiver wire, becomes interesting. I would still hold on to Ogmanwale as well. I don't feel great about Peyton Barber. I just don't I don't think he's that good. I don't care if he's starting or not. That doesn't matter. But this is a backfield to monitor to see what happens. Earlier, we were talking about Devin Singletary. He only had four carries, but 
Look at the gains on the four carries. 12, 15, 20, and 23. He played 47 of 66 snaps, 71%. So we did see a lot of Frank Gore. But, man, I just don't think this changes. I mean, last. Yeah, yeah, Gore is still solid. He actually averaged, I think it was 4.6 yards per carry last year. That was behind Indianapolis. That's the offensive line. But, man, I think Singletary has to get the ball more. So, a lot of people panic on week one. They see the low usage, and they think, oh, I got to move on. No, don't. Hold on to Singletary. We saw 11 carries, 20 yards for Frank Gore. Four for 70 for Singletary. Obviously, Josh Allen, 10 carries. He's going to run a little bit. Singletary also had five receptions for 28 yards on six targets. So they're using him in a, in pass, as a passing down back. I got to think the carries are going to go up for him for sure. And the Bills did play from behind in this game. The offense was really abysmal for three quarters. They had three points through three quarters, 14 in the fourth quarter to come from behind and win that game against the Jets. But uh, don't panic on Singletary. And I do have him in a few leagues. I didn't start him. Uh, we barely saw anything from TJ Yeldon. He only had two snaps. So uh, I think it's only a matter of time until we see him uh, take off. Uh, Marking room, pretty interesting because 44% of the snaps in three quarters. Uh, I think they're, you know, there was a blowout, but I think they're going to use several backs. I know we saw a lot of Gus Edwards in this game. People worried about Justice Hill. I think Hill's a guy that you kind of have to hold on to. I mean, he's not someone that you can play right now, but I do think Hill will play a part in this offense. Again, the game was 59-10, to 10, so you have to take that into account. The Chiefs' backfield is, is interesting right now because uh, McCoy, they were obviously going to slowly incorporate him into the offense, but he looked pretty good. You know, uh, and this Chiefs offense, too, it's pretty easy for the running backs to excel. I think the question with McCoy was, what, does he have anything left? You know, obviously the last two years haven't been great, but it was in Buffalo. They had a shaky offensive line last year. And we all know how good this Chiefs offense is. McCoy had 10 carries for 81 yards. That's 8.1 yards a pop, including a 31-yard run. Meanwhile, Damian Williams not great on the ground. He did have a touchdown. 13 carries, 26 yards, but we did see Damian Williams in the passing game. Six targets, catch all six for 39. McCoy, one for 12, but uh, it's I think you got to be worried here if you're Damian Williams owner. I think you will see more LaShawn McCoy. They didn't bring him in for no reason. Uh, now, it helps that Damian Williams is catching that football, so that's a big deal, but uh, that's something to pay attention to and a little concerning for Damian Williams owners. Uh, Miles Sanders... Looked good, just not enough touches, though. And I figured that might be the case early on. You know, Miles Sanders is a player that I drafted in a couple leagues. I might have started him in one out of desperation just because I didn't really have a great RB2. But uh, other leagues where I drafted Sanders, uh, I did not start him because I wanted to see what happens here in that backfield. Darren Sproles, nine carries, 47 yards. I, just, I cannot believe that they gave him nine carries in this game. Uh, Jordan Howard at 6 for 44. Sanders 11 for 25. He did have a touchdown call back. So I think it'll get better for Sanders. He also had one catch for two yards. Howard at 2 for 11. Sproles had 3 for 16. So right now it still looks to be a committee, but we did see uh, Sanders get those carries inside the 10-yard line, and that is going to be key uh, as well. Uh, as I mentioned before with the Rams, you know, no touches for Todd Gurley inside the red zone. 
I, I don't know what to say, man. That's crazy. And, you know, Gurley did play 68% of the snaps. Uh, but still, I mean, he played way more last year. So people were like, oh, well, if he just sees, you know, a, a, a little bit less than that, will be fine. But if he's not going to get those carries in the red zone, that is a major problem. So I'd be worried. I really do. Uh, and Malcolm Brown definitely should be owned. And if Gurley does miss time, boy, that's going to be big for Malcolm Brown. So I talked about it all preseason. There were too many warning signs there for Todd Gurley. And again, he, he looked fine on the field. That's not the worry. The worry is the Rams have concerns. They're not 100% confident in him. You know, 68% of the snaps, okay, that's fine. But part of the argument that the pro girly backers had were, well, he's going to get the red zone carries. Uh, he'll score touchdowns. Didn't happen. Didn't happen last year in the playoffs. Now, week one doesn't mean it's a predictor of everything to come, but you got to be worried here. You have to be if you're girly owner, and it's the reason why I didn't draft him. Again, we still have the rest of the season to go. This could change. Maybe girly has three touchdowns next week, and uh, it's not a big deal. But uh, I don't think week one was a good sign if I am someone who's backing girly, and I'm not. Uh, I'm out. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, remember Remember there was talk a few weeks ago? Yeah, we might bring in a back to get some of the goal line carries. Yeah, we're going to ease up on McCaffrey. Again, don't believe everything you hear. McCaffrey played every snap. It's crazy. Oh, man. So last year he played, I don't know, what, ninety over 90% of the snaps. He played every snap in week one. He's going to be fine. That's why he was my number one overall pick this year in PPR format. So it was uh, definitely looking good there. Uh, Austin Eckler had a really big week one. And I think we were looking to see, okay, how much Justin Jackson is involved because there was talk that maybe it would be a split. So far, though, it was mostly Eckler here. He had 150 total yards and three touchdowns, most of the production coming in the passing game. And he played 73% of the team snaps. So really good sign there for Eckler owners. And, man, he could be a big difference maker if Melvin Gordon sits out the majority of the season. Uh, but Eckler's a really good back. And certainly that fifth, sixth-round pick is looking really, really good right now for those that took him. 49ers wide receivers, man. Dante Pettis. Look, the signs were there. Pettis was a guy I was drafting in June and July. And then I backed off a little bit. I was willing to take him if the price dropped, but we saw that they were concerned about him in the preseason. He was a little banged up. A lot of people said it was motivational ploy. He was number one on the depth chart, but he only played two snaps in week one. That is just a major, major concern. I know they said it was potentially related to injury. Look, I would not drop Pettis unless I was in a shallow league. If you're in a 10-team league and there's a lot out there, fine. But in 12-team leagues, I'm probably going to hold on. Uh, Debo Samuel played 59 snaps. Marquise Goodwin, 49. Richie James, 26. He had a touchdown. Kedrick Bourne, 17. So, you know, the 49ers receivers right now, it's really George Kittle at tight end who's going to get the only guy that I feel good about playing. I would roster Debo Samuel. 
And Goodwin maybe in a deep league of 20 rounds where he was drafted anyway. But I'm, I'm not feeling good about starting any of these guys right now because I think even the 49ers are trying to still figure it out. So I would only start Kittle for now. Debo I would roster, and I'd probably hold on to Pettis as well. well. No, Doc and I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think it was uh, on air. Maybe it was a commercial conversation. But Anthony Miller, and I, I like Anthony Miller's talent a lot, but he did not play much. In week one, I think it was injury related. Remember, he was dealing with an ankle injury in the preseason. So you really want to watch the Bears this week because they used Tariq Cohen in the slot a lot. And Anthony Miller played 21% of the snaps. So I already got a question on Anthony Miller today. I think in shallow formats, he's not someone you have to keep. Again, I like the talent, and I would like to see what happens in week two. That's really going to be key here on uh, what happens and the tight ends for the Colts, uh, it was basically a split. You know, I thought in the past you'd see a lot of Doyle uh, compared to Ebron. Doyle were in around 47% of the time, Ebron 50%. So it, it really hurts them. You know, they kind of cancel each other out. I thought Doyle would be the better play. Ebron did drop a touchdown, but uh, that's something to take note of there, uh, especially with some of the tight ends that could potentially be on your waiver wire. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here for a couple more minutes. As it is a big waiver wire day, we'll cover a little bit more of the waiver wire tomorrow. If you want to see some of my selections, you can head on over to si.com slash fantasy. My waiver wire article is up there. I'll have a Stockwatch article tomorrow. And again, if you have any specific questions, you could always ask them on the message boards and forums at fulltimefantasy.com anytime you want. As uh, we have to work the waiver wire tonight and tomorrow, and then we'll start looking ahead to week two. As Thursday night football this week, the Buccaneers play in Carolina, and we'll be watching to see Jameis Winston and see what he can do. Uh, one of the big games of the week was Jameson Crowder. Uh, 14 receptions for 99 yards. He was targeted 15 times. And, you know, not a huge surprise. We know the slot receiver in the Adam Gase offense is big. So I, I tried to get Crowder in leagues. I didn't. I, I don't have him in many. I know I got him in a best ball league or two. But he definitely was on my radar. Wasn't able to get him in as many leagues as I want. I've always been a big Jamison Crowder fan. The one thing you have to understand is health has been a big issue for him because you look at his body frame, just doesn't have uh, – you know, he's like 185, so he, he's had some injuries. And, you know, this was a great matchup this week because Robbie Anderson was going against Tredavious White. We know how good White is. We also know Anderson was battling a little bit of a calf injury. 
So I, I already got someone worried about Anderson. Now, Anderson does have tough matchups ahead with quarterbacks, but injuries could happen. And, you know, Anderson's also the type of receiver with his ability to get open that one big play can make his week. And he was open late in the game, and Darnold missed him. So you do have to take that into account. But obviously the slot receiver in this offense is, is going to be big, and uh, Jamison Crowder, obviously his stock is up for sure. Uh, Marquise Brown, four receptions, 147 yards at two targets. People are going to say he only played 14 snaps. I think that was a product of the blowout. It was 59 to 10. The guy was coming off a list Frank injury in February, so there's no need to push him to ease him in. Uh, if he's on the waiver wire, get him. I do have him in a few leagues. He was obviously on my bench, but I do like him. And Terry McLaurin's another guy. He looked good for the Redskins. Three receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. We'll talk more waiver wire tomorrow. Uh, and if you need to hit the waiver wire tonight, check out my article, si.com slash fantasy. That wraps it up here, but don't worry. I'll be back Wednesday along with Dr. Otto, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great day.